Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hey everybody, welcome to Bitches on Comics. It is I, Sarah Century. I am here with my co-host. Hello everyone, this is S.E. Fleenor. Happy to be here. I'm super pumped because today we have Monica Estrella Negra with us here. She is going to be joining us to talk about one of uh, the comics that she loved, like, still loves. We're going to find out. That's the point of the podcast. We're going to be talking about Strangers in Paradise. I'm super pumped to get into that. Before we do, you're going to remember Monica from a couple of things. One, she was on our Patreon review of Happiest Season. That's a freebie. Available to anybody listening right now, including our patrons. And then we also just had Monica here talking about Harley Quinn and her Jewishness and what it looks like in the comics and TV and film properties and her wildest dreams for how it could be better. Thank you so much for being back with us today, Monica. Thanks for having me. Amazing. So, Monica, you're you're a filmmaker, you're a critic, you're a nerd, you're a friend. What's new with you? Oh, nothing much. I mean, I'm pretty excited uh, because I just added two new tiers to my Patreon, which you can find via my Twitter at Negramonica1. And also those tiers feature behind the scenes content from my film production company, Audrey's Revenge Film, which you can also find via the Audrey's Revenge Twitter, which is at Audrey Revenge. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. What kind of behind the scenes are we talking about? So I have a couple of still photos that I am accompanying with a contextual story on film productions that I've done within the past couple of years, more particularly my Vengeance Anthology, which I started back in 2015. And then I'm also providing my hot takes on films that I've watched within the past month, which we'll probably have in between 10 to 15, because that's all I do is watch movies now. So... Yeah, we have reached a point in the pandemic in my house where we're like, okay, what are we going to watch? We haven't seen this one start it, go. Mm -hmm, (laughs) 10 minutes mm -hmm. in, you know what? I hate it. Next one. And some nights we're just watching 10 to 15 minutes of like eight movies. And it's like, oh, all right, time for bed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Especially with shorts. Like that's been my thing. I like to watch like shorts shorts. blocks. Like I'm kind of like doing my own curation series at this point. Uh, So, uh, yeah, so hot takes photos from my film productions and also I'm hoping possibly to have my fourth film out soon and I'll possibly be streaming that via my Patreon. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to stay up to date with all of that as it moves on. That's amazing. What is your fourth film and what's it about? It's called Bitten a Tragedy. It's been in post-production for about the past two years. Forgive me, I am a poor filmmaker and things take time. But it is a classic twist on a vampire story, but also is a reflection of queer underground music scenes and aging goths like myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sign me up! I actually can't wait to see that. It sounds like it's going to be delightful. And this is following, your other films are Flesh and You're It, is that right? You're It and They Will Know You by Your Fruit, which will actually be screening in Toronto in a couple of months. So I'm very excited about that. But 
if you can't wait until that or if you're not in Toronto, you can go ahead to the Audrey's Revenge Film YouTube page where you can find Flesh, You're It, and they will know you by your fruit. So exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then, yeah, again, for being here with us today. So we're going to talk a little bit about Strangers in Paradise. This is an independent comic made by Terry Moore. I believe he does art and writing. Sarah and Monica jump in whenever if I'm off. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's a story of two BFFs slash lovers, question mark, named Kachu and Francine and how they navigate the wild world of the 90s. Right? The 90s. I think so. (laughs) Yeah, it's like 93 for sure. Mm -hmm. Like we're definitely in 1993. Yeah. (laughs) There's lots of Bjork <laughs> references, and the 90s were definitely Bjork's time, I feel. It's true. I miss Bjork. I mean, I know she's she's around. I just miss her. I miss listening. I'm going to listen to her after this call. Sick. I just miss her. So, Monica, I would love to know when you first read Strangers in Paradise, you know, what is it that that draws you to it? And then I'm sure I'll have 45 questions after that. So I discovered Strangers in Paradise during my undergrad, and it was actually through an ex-partner who exposed me to it. And they gave me uh, volume one, and I was instantly drawn in. I was like, oh my gosh, I had never seen like a queer comic at that time, um, especially because they were like way more into like comics than I was. And I was like having a difficult time trying to navigate through it. And they were like, I think you'll like this one because there's like, you know, hot lesbians or questioning people and violence. So I was like, okay, sick. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, once I started volume one, I pretty much just became obsessed and I just followed it like religiously. And I am still kind of shocked that there hasn't been a film adaptation of it. And I'm actually kind of upset, but then I'm also like, there's so much material within like the series that it would take a very special director to capture the intensity. And also I think it was a bit early in its time for a lot of the conversations that could possibly arise when one read it, um, especially in regards to polyamory, questioning uh, sexual identity, et cetera, like all things that were coming to the forefront in the 90s. But I was also uh, pretty young and not really hip to a lot of those things. So in essence, it also taught me about my own sexuality and how to explore that, if that makes sense. Well, it makes sense to me because I also was a kid. I remember being like 10 probably whenever this came out. So I didn't catch the first couple of volumes. But I remember by the time I was anywhere near like a comic shop, it was always popping up as a recommended comic and like trade magazines and stuff like that. So I remember, so Strangers in Paradise, I think I started reading whenever... I was probably like 13 or 14 or something like that. And at the time, that was the only gay comic, right? I know that obviously, like, for instance, Love and Rockets, there were a ton of comics that were before it that were doing stuff that I think is also very interesting. Strangers in Paradise was just the first one that you could buy at like Barnes and Nobles, right? So I think that it being available was probably the most important thing about this comic. So for the listeners' sake, the first time I have read this comic is uh, actually yesterday. So I am coming to it like sort of a blank slate, also anachronistically, like when it is not the best representation can do. And and I think you've both spoken to that. And it is certainly a product of its time. Also, it's a product of its creator, from what I can tell, a cishet white dude. So I think I'm curious, when you think about what draws you to it, Monica, Is there a character you relate to more or less than the other characters? Is it the way that they go about exploring their identity? Like, what is it for you that either now or at the time really struck that resonant chord? So I relate the most to Catch You in regards to, one, her rebelliousness, but also falling in love with your straight best friend, even though she doesn't take you seriously. Like, ouch, wow. Um, So that was definitely relatable to me just because... um, When I was in the closet, I definitely lost a couple of friends because they knew that I had crushes on them. And it kind of just like helped me heal from that situation. Um, But also her issues with having a rough past, her bouts with alcoholism and doing sex work. um, All of those things have been an intricate part of my life. So I kind of just like identify with Catch You in that regard. 
and also just the fantastical elements of it. But also I want to mention that, yes, this is definitely a comic that was a product of his time because there should be some content warnings in regards to fat shaming, eating disorders, slut shaming, like the whole nine, like it pretty much. And I, I get that it's like supposed to be like comedic, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's supposed to be real, da, 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 da. But like having those elements in a comic now just would not fly. <laughs> so when you do read it, like, you know, you should probably just take heed to that. To be fair, I think that flies in comics all the time. <laughs> it is, yeah. I see a lot of fat shaming and whatnot. Should it fly? Absolutely not. What I think Strangers in Paradise tried to do, and again, tell me where I'm wrong, is it tried to take the everyday experiences of two women and treat them like they mattered. And like there was something worth exploring in their interior lives. And that is, to me, always a worthwhile endeavor. So I think a piece that was trying to be as intentional as Strangers in Paradise shot for, probably not. Like you're probably not going to have those same things. Again, I'm thinking about Grease Bats as like a contemporary, even though it ran as a strip. And I don't I don't think Strangers in Paradise has run as a strip. But I think that that's kind of almost a, a corollary, again, though, written by a queer person, uh, I believe a non-binary person. So a, a different, we'll say different. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the one that you read, Essie, I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about whenever we decided to do Strangers in Paradise because that's <laughs> so many comics. That's like 100 comics. So I just assumed we were going to talk about like the whole thing. But you read the first volume. And the first volume, I think the consensus would be is that that's pretty much the weakest volume. I think that his humor really hadn't clicked at that point yet. And the nuance in the relationship between Kachu and Francine hadn't really developed that much. On the other hand, I am going to say whenever you come into comics and you've already read a bunch of great queer representation, looking back at this comic sometimes is just like, <laughs> like I wish that they could have gone further or I wish that they would have not spent so much time on certain parts of it, right? Yeah, I think that that's probably a good way of putting it. I think, too, the idea that uh, that women's narratives require men for them to be something we can hold on to is a really at least in this first volume, like very prevalent, like men are really important to everything that happens. And there's constantly a guy coming in and like helping with things, which like, whatever, like different strokes. I'm curious now, Monica, have you reread it recently? Yep, I have. What changes in how you feel about it today versus when you read it at the time? So I feel like, especially revisiting volume one, I remember that like, I wasn't really that shook by the presence of David but now as I like reread it I'm just like David really isn't necessary and he's actually like kind of incelly now that I think about yeah, it yeah uh, he's so xander right I'm just like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay the irony is I just read the first volume of the new Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Jordi Belair in which Xander is such an incel Oh my gosh. So yes, when you just said that, my brain was like, galaxy brain connecting the <laughs> incels. <laughs> like truly. Yeah, David is, uh, oof. Him getting mad at Kachu through the whole series is always like, dude, you're the one who's trying to date this girl. <laughs> like is very openly in love with somebody else and like... Like literally stalked her after she just went to the museum and then left a tampon in a statue's hand. Like, I'm just like, dog, like, give it up. And he just like, and that continues, by the way. Like, that's just pretty much his whole, like, um, his whole thing. It actually gets worse in volume two. Worse. (laughs) And beyond. Like, it just keeps going. And then there's like this weird love triangle between him and Francine and Kachu. And it's like, I think David should probably just... Leave. Leave. <laughs> yeah, get on out of here, David. This is an A to Kachu conversation, so see your way out. Seriously, like the moments between Francine and Kachu are like so sweet. Like when they yeah. have the moments where Francine is crying over Freddie Femur, who is... <laughs> Freddie Femur. Freddie Femur. <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> what a name! <laughs> The name alone just makes him open for public mockery. So it's just, yeah. So, but I think that was the whole point. But yeah, like when Francine is crying over him and then like Kachu's just like, no, like you have people that love you and like da 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 da. I feel like that, uh, it like breaks my heart every time. Like traumatic flashbacks for real. <laughs> I'll see. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Yeah. So many of my best girlfriends just like 
wasting away with dudes that don't appreciate them. (sighs) You just made so much click in my head, Monica. And and tell me where I'm wrong here, because it seems to me that part of what, and I'm not saying that Moore knew he was dealing with this, but it seems to me that part of what's being grappled with is this compulsory heterosexuality, right? So like compet and how Francine has been taught in our society that of course she's straight. You wouldn't be anything else, as are we all. Some people deviate that from, you know, blah, 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 whatever. I'm not going to get into the history of compet. But I think that what is fascinating, I've been thinking about this a lot, is that it's so complicated. I'm getting into like intra-community shit about LGBT folks. So bear with me. I'm, I'm articulating something I have not previously. So it seems to me sometimes there is this tension between bi women and lesbians. I'm speaking very broad. That sometimes there are some lesbians who believe that bisexual women are not truly bisexual. There was a real rise of this in the 90s, a lot of anti-bi sentiment at the time. We can talk about the different antecedents, but that's for another podcast, another day. So as this, you know, anti-bi sentiment was rising, again, not all lesbians, just some lesbians, were saying, like, I'm not going to date women who are attracted to men. So that's one piece of the pie, and I, I think that's important to know. I think another piece of the pie is that women who are attracted to men, so bi women, queer women, pan women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're still impacted by compet. I am bi. I do not believe that I am with the partner that I am because of compet. It's also more tricky because I'm non-binary and it's like, <laughs> what even would be someone who was my gender? What would be someone who isn't my gender? I don't know. Like, if you know, please write in and tell me what to do with this. I would be very happy. So <laughs> don't, don't write Sarah's in. Sarah's like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't write in about that. That'd be real foolish. So it seems to me that there's some deep inner workings of queerness going on here. And I think there's a way that bi women and women who are attracted to men who are queer, there's different standards for what men can get away with. Whether we like it or not, that's just the reality of what we live in. So sometimes, and this is where it's tricky, I have felt like in relationships I've been in in the past, in relationships I've observed in the past, that women had these super low standards for the men they would date. And then these super high standards for the women they would date. And I think I also was someone who had super high standards for women and lower standards for men. And, you know, gender is all kinds of things. So it may not fully hold water. But it seems to me that there's this piece here where Francine, she has such low standards in her men, right? Like they are so bad. And Kachu is sort of observing this and reacting to it. And she's attracted to her friend. So she wants to be there for her friend. She also wants to be queer with her friend. And in turn, Francine's, at least at the parts that I have read, not quite seeing that yet. Do you think that I'm right about these ideas (laughs) in regards to this comic? Or where do you guys see that landing differently? No, that's definitely a thing. And also... um... Francine is also heavily influenced by like what her mom thinks about a lot of things. And her mom actually is just like that prototypical overbearing like mother. And actually there's like a scene where like she asks Kachu like if she's still dating girls because she's kind of like weirded out by the living situation of them. But I think that like Francine is a character that's definitely influenced by the people that expect her to be certain things. Like you said, like with compulsory heterosexuality. But also, I feel like Francine is kind of like a small town girl. Like, she's from Nashville. Very, like, country. (laughs) Just like me. Yeah. And, you know. Nashville. Small town girl. There's just a lot of layers there. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of layers. And, like, I also just think that she's kind of, like, in this place where it's just, like, she separates, like, the loves in her life. Like, platonic love and romantic love are two separate entities. And she actually comes to a realization that, like, love in its purest form is literally all that she needs. And that transcends gender, that transcends sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. And that actually goes into why the comic is called Strangers in Paradise is because there's, like, a quote from a play. It's just like, uh, without love, we're nothing more than strangers in paradise. And it's, like, pretty sweet. I did like that. It was like, uh, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the screen. I was like that when the quote was in the. I was like, oh, yeah, that's where the title comes from. I knew it. Um, Yeah, I think there's a lot of intense emotion in these pages and intense character dynamics. And I, I think this speaks to your point, Sarah, about how some of the jokes, you know, hit or miss is that it was, you know, trying to be do something funny. 
it's trying to deal with the real, well, a version of the real world, but it's also like trying to be funny. So one of the things I don't like, <laughs> here I am, is that uh, there is a character named Debbie who is a very large lesbian. She's clearly butch. <laughs> she comes in at one point when Francine is threatening Freddie Femur. <laughs> the name I can't handle. Oh, Kachu is threatening mm-hmm. Freddie Femur because she is pissed that he has treated Francine so badly. Mm-hmm. And she is like, unhinged. I love it. I think it's kind of like some of my favorite pages is just her being like, I'm so angry. (laughs) She brings her like BFF fellow rugby player, maybe on the softball team. I'm not sure. Debbie. (laughs) And Debbie like picks up the woman that Freddie is seeing at the moment and carries her out over her shoulder. Kind of adorable. But then there's like this way that Freddie talks about Debbie and there's a way that Debbie's drawn that is done to sort of make her seem unattractive, I'd say at the very least, or kind of grotesque. And I don't like it because butches are hot as hell. And I wanted to go on the record saying butches are hot (laughs) as hell. I was like, I would hang out with Debbie. I would give Debbie my phone number. (laughs) Like, I get why Kachu and (laughs) Debbie are BFFs, or at least, you know, um, again, on the same rugby team. She'd be amazing as a lock. Let's just put that out there. Like, there's these, these small moments that feel so untrue to queerness. Like, that feels like an untrue moment. There's also a moment where when early in the first issue where Francine is crying and, and Kachu makes a move on her while she's crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe that does happen, but it, it felt like a almost like what men think happens between queer women. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. Like, those are the only two pieces that I was like, I can put my finger on exactly why I don't like this. I mean, besides Incel David. I mean, Incel David. I would shoot into the sun. Incel David. <laughs> but, is that what we're know. referring to him as? Is Incel David from now on? <laughs> <laughs> if, if the shoe fits, right? Right. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, I still am intrigued by the piece. Again, I... I uh, you know, kind of wish I had read more. I didn't, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. It had been a while since we'd planned this, but it's a time capsule in some ways. It deals with some complex, heady issues in, in queerness and others. And it somehow manages to also be flat around queerness in certain places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate for you all? Totally. That's why it's like, literally, if I read this today, I would be so angry. <laughs> like, I'd be like, what is this? This is ridiculous. Also, like, they did just now do a recent series of Strangers in Paradise. And I was texting SE about it earlier because it was in 2018 and they're married in the future, right? Like, they have two daughters that they raise and they don't interact with each other through the entire comic. It's like 10 issues. What do you mean they don't interact with each other? They, like, interact at the very end, like, one page away from the end of the series. <laughs> there's, like, a phone call that they do really quick for a minute there. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, some thoughts of her being like, oh, I miss Francine or whatever. But for the most part, it's just back to kind of weird spy stuff and trying to travel. She's on, like, the side of a mountain for a minute. Um, <laughs> okay. Just kind of things that don't make that much <laughs> oh, sense. Oh, right. I forgot that it went in, like, a uh, like a spy direction later. <laughs> yeah, several times, right? Like, it, it does several times. I was like, well, in 2018, this must have improved. Like, there must be a lot better queer representation in it. And then I was like, no, because the gays aren't even in it. Like, they're, like, <laughs> doing other things. And it's like, yes, of course, we want to see gay people doing other things. But I feel like the way that their relationship has always been portrayed is, like, relatively kind of sexless. Like, they do, like, sometimes have sex. But for, like, the most part through this entire thing, like, there's, like, 200 (laughs) issues of this series. They, like, never are really that physically intimate with one another. And there's something about that after you've read issues after issues after issues. And you're just like, every cover will be like, oh, here's Francine handing Kachu a cup of coffee or something like that. But it's like they don't kiss or hold hands or that much. So to me, it was always like, yeah, I'm sure that there are a lot of relationships that are like that. But I just always thought that it was strange how like there would always be this kind of like, well, and then, you know, we'll back away whenever it's their alone time. Like this is whenever Mm. we leave. Especially because you do see them kiss and have sex with men. Yeah. So like Mm. to me, that's just what was kind of weird about it. There's like always an emotional barrier up in this series where it's like as much as they have these wonderful tender moments, which made me cry so much as a teenager, like so much. And even now I will still cry because I cry when I'm reading most comics. (laughs) 
yeah, there was always something about it that was a little bit on the frustrating side because of that, right? And not that it's like, you know what this is missing is like an R-rated sex scene or something like that, but it's just kind of the fact that sometimes it was hard to see where like the intimacy other than like emotional intimacy, which is good. Emotional intimacy is totally the reason for a relationship. I just feel like, yeah, it was weird how you saw some of their relationships, but not others, right? Mm. Like not Mm. theirs. Lesbians don't have sex. They just roll around in flowers. They like uh, they, the, the, the premise of my favorite <laughs> queer film. Imagine me and you. <laughs> That's just, exactly what I'm referencing. Me and my partner, me and my ex partner, who introduced me to this. We had this running joke. <laughs> just saying, we're gonna go roll around in some flowers. I, I totally thought that's what being gay was. I was just like, sign me up. I don't. I There's that song that's called The Flower Duet that like plays during the sex scene (laughs) in The Hunger. And that song, every time it comes on, I just crack up so hard because I'm like lesbians. It's like the sound of lesbians. There's like, this is the sound of lesbians. Yeah, like, blowing in the wind. Yeah, and then like, or like in Carol, where like the sex scene is literally just like Kate Blanchett's slowly cascading hair. (laughs) (laughs) Like touching someone's skin and you're just like. And that's how lesbians orgasm. I mean, in all fairness, (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying. That's my thing is like, I'm not here to judge. I'm like, if we talked a little bit about one of them being like asexual or aromantic even like, but that wouldn't track with who they are. Yeah, there's just no conversation around. There's implied sex sometimes. It's like they probably are going to have sex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's mm. also interesting because like in volume one like Katu never really actually says that she's a lesbian it's really implied you're right she says some things like i'm not interested in men oh yeah she does say that to david a couple times and then there's something else she says that that sort of makes you read between the lines but you're totally right there's no moment where not that like she has to but i do think it's interesting to play it so ambiguously because it's so closeted mm-hmm. yes by the writer you know like it's like that's kind of why it's sometimes hard to look back on stuff because it's also yeah 100 percent. whenever I was a kid and saw this I was in love with Kachu everybody wants to be Kachu Kachu is the coolest character so Sarah are you Francine then I mean yeah I can (laughs) see myself being Francine I'm Debbie (laughs) <laughs> Debbie I wish I wish I was Debbie <laughs> I wish Debbie came back more they like traded her out for Tambi right Tambi comes in Tambi and, is, like, and Bambi so so built and like has the arms the arms <laughs> oh no Mackenzie where you at uh sorry <laughs> Tambi starring Mackenzie Davis as Tambi <laughs> last episode didn't we because we were like freaking out about harley and wonder woman and wonder woman was just like bam that's what it was yeah lots of arm fetishes happening in this group Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. also tracking back to debbie i just don't think that she would pick up a sex worker and throw her through a wall i just don't don't, see that i don't see that that happening like that's just like completely so i get what you're saying about that as he had like thought about it it's like actually debbie would probably just like pick her up and they'd like go and hang out at a bar or something You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? 
I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to another <laughs> round of our show that we're in the middle of right now. We're so glad you're here. And if you like us, hell, if you love us, know that A, we love you so much. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for retweeting us. Thanks for laughing when we make jokes. And if you want to support us a little more, come join us on Patreon. That's a special place where we do all of our really weird shit. I mean, the podcast is weird. Let's be real. This is weird. We do weird stuff. We do cool stuff. But we also do weird and cool stuff on our Patreon. We do things like our intoxicated comics special. That's where we get a little woo-woo and talk a little shit about comics. It's a good time. Sometimes we talk about characters. Sometimes we talk about comic events. We do what we feel like is the right call. We review TV, movies, comics. We also do bonus interviews where we talk with either small creators or huge fans about what they love and why they love it. We have so many hours of bonus content, hours and hours and hours, and we're putting out new content all the time. Become a patron today. You get that whole backlog. You get the stuff as it comes out weekly, and we just love to have you join us. You can join at any level, starting at $2. You can give $50. You can give, you know, whatever amount feels right in your soul. And we will uh, give you all the good content we've got. We are super proud of our Patreon, in part because we don't actually do the tiers. We have them there so people can choose, you know, what level you want to give at. But everybody gets the same content. We're about making sure that people have entertainment and things that make them feel good and loved, especially in the tough times we've been living through lately. We love you. Come join us. Patreon.com backslash Bitches on Comics. So one of the things you mentioned, Monica, about this piece is uh, how polyamory plays into it. I'm guessing that comes out more in the later volumes, but I'd love to hear you just talk a little bit about what it looks like, if you think that is a fair representation, maybe we'll say, and then how you think it had, like uh, plays out versus like more representations we have today. Yeah, it definitely is not like a traditional polyamorous thing. It's actually kind of just like still centering David as being like this person that's relevant. Um, but I think what Moore did is like try to present love as being like this umbrella of, like, where nobody can define, like, who it happens with. And, like, sometimes a group of friends could all have, like, the same romantic feelings about each other, but we don't have the language or, like, the ideas to figure out, like, how to go about it. Whereas, like, now, like, you know, polyamory is, like, there are lots of discussions about it and people are out about being polyamorous. And I feel like at that time when he was writing it, he was kind of, like, on that track, but he didn't really fully develop the idea. So then he just kind of, like lost it <laughs> in essence because there's in volume two Francine like dis, uh discovers that she has feelings for David even though David's in love with Kachu and then Kachu's in love with Francine so it's just like this whole like trio of like cluster fuckness basically <laughs> and I'm just like y'all can all date each other you know y'all could do it and I'm pretty sure there are like polyamorous groups like in the night I feel like polyamory's always been around there just oh, hasn't yeah. been like information like on how it happens so when you're like going through that uncharted territory i mean like they didn't have wikipedia back then i'm pretty sure more didn't like go to like a polyamorous commune and like interview people though it'd be probably be cool if he did but yeah. um, or he could have read the ethical slut which came out in 1997 i googled it to make sure i wasn't giving him bad advice Ooh, i think i was in middle school <laughs> Yeah. So, probably the time when you actually need to read the ethical slut most. Right. <laughs> I could have avoided a lot of catastrophes. Um, so, yeah. Um, I 
feel the same. <laughs> <laughs> like, was that trauma necessary? Oh, we need to get ethical slut in school curriculum. Like, teach that oh. during sex ed. That might be great for a lot of people. Actually, we would have unicorns and rainbows everywhere if people just understood that there are more options in life. Yeah, and you know what I love about the ethical slut tangent, but here we are, is that I do think it teaches a lot of lessons about how to love even in monogamous relationships. Mm. Because it's about learning that jealousy is not an emotion that is a good thing, and it's not something that we should feed in our relationships. You actually don't own anyone you're in a relationship with. Shocking. You are agreeing to be together so they don't belong to you they're not yours you're not sharing them with someone else like it's such a fucking reframing book you know it's like a way to think about love beyond sort of again i think predominantly christian values of what makes a relationship worthwhile that's my tangent about the ethical slut yeah which could be a good name for strangers in paradise too the ethical, not-so-ethical slut, maybe. The not-so-ethical <laughs> slut. So, you know, you talked about Kachu and, and how she embodies so much of what you've experienced in your life. And I'm curious, have you read the more recent um, issues from, like, 2018? I haven't. I stopped at volume five, I think. Okay. I was just curious if your relationship to her evolved over the time of reading, if it's evolved since, like, your initial read to now. And, you know... What what makes her so wonderful? Sarah talked a little bit about like, you know, she's chaotic. She's intense. She's like, everybody wants to be with her or be her. Like, why? Uh, you know, she's like, cool. She's an artist. She knows how to like kill men if necessary. <laughs> <laughs> Thing one, she's an artist. Thing two, she knows how to kill men if necessary. <laughs> Sign me up. Right. I, I changed my whole mind about this whole comic. Because isn't that the thing, right? Like, even if you had just gone through a bad breakup and you were feeling bad about it, if somebody came and beat up your ex-boyfriend for you, wouldn't you just marry that person? Like, that's kind of why the first... (laughs) the first series is just kind of like, all right. And then in the next issue, they'll be married. And then it's like, no, they're super not. (laughs) Like it takes a really long time for them to get married, which is fun. Everybody comes to things in their own way. But if somebody like went that far to protect you in life, that's just something where it's just like, see, they are kind of cute. Maybe she shouldn't have resorted to low key torture. Um, But like... (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're both just like, well, you know. Wait, but didn't she like <laughs> not actually do it? Like, wasn't it like she was going to torture him? But then the joke she makes is she's like, not that I think this is a good joke to make, but she's basically like, there was nothing there to torture because she was gonna, you know, like hurt his right. mothers. Oh, I yeah. thought that, but even threatening, that is torture. Like threatening, oh, okay. like tying somebody Good to point. a chair and threatening them okay. is torture. You know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> she tied him up and dressed him up as a clown naked. And then everybody found him in the storefront the next I day. I forgot that and whole with, like, part. A You're sign that right. says like, hi, I'm Freddie. Would you like to take me home? And it's perfect. And I'm just like, <laughs> yup, that, that's my homegirl right there. Because I mean, like, oh, my God, he like cheated on Francine. She walked in on him. She's just like thinking yeah. that like, oh, I should have just slept with him, which is like, fuck that. Like, you should never yeah. feel pressured to have sex with somebody, even if you are in a committed relationship. Because if yeah. that person was in a committed relationship and actually felt good about you, they would be fine with waiting And then Francine, like, loses it and crashes the car, ends up going into a coma. Like, yeah, he deserved what he had coming. Should have been worse. Mm -hmm. Whatever. But, yeah, so that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with Kachu. But the second reason was uh, Kachu had a past of being uh, an escort, and I'm a former sex worker. And at that time, I wasn't actively doing sex work, but I had lots of friends that were doing sex work. And there was a lot of like admitted like shame that like a lot of my queer friends, because it was a matter of survival, they didn't feel like they could actually come out to some of their friends and be like, yeah, I like do sex work for a living. And at that time when I was like in my 20s, like it was still like very like hush hush. You know what I mean? Like whatever you did is like your side hustle. That's what you did. Um, And there was like a scene where Kachu had to like be honest about her past. And like that really resonated with me because it's just like, wow, you just did what you had to do to survive because you were like homeless and on the streets, which is just like a very clear reality of what it is to be like an LGBTQ youth, you know. 
because homelessness still affects our community, like, in vast levels. So, yeah. In volume two, like, her past as being a part of, like, a lesbian power mafia was also, like, yeah. goals. Darcy. Darcy Parker. Wow. Yeah. Woo, Darcy. Um, I like Darcy. <laughs> I like Darcy, too. She's just, like, like power top to the max in heels. She like, really wow, is. okay. Who uh, doesn't like that person? Um, so, yeah, she's great. Also, yeah, it kind of goes on, right? Casey comes in, and then Casey ultimately ends up with David, which is for the best. <laughs> For the best. So that's fine. But I think that that's further than either of you have read, maybe, because I think that that's well past volume five. She ends up with David. She has a really short-lived affair with Kachu, and then it, like, ruins her and Francine's relationship again for, like, a while. Then Kachu focuses on being an artist for a while. Wait, Casey was the girl with the short hair, like the bob, right? Yeah, the bob, yeah. I remember Casey. Yeah, so I think that that might be like volume five-ish. I don't remember. Those tiny little phone book yeah, collections with the, with that the, have so many comics With them. the blue covers, and then they had like their own like solo like photo op. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just at every Barnes and Nobles. I remember that. And that's how I read this entire series was sitting at Barnes and Nobles drinking coffee and like reading books that I did not pay for. Yeah. Bring back those days. Remember we could sit in bookstores and drink coffee and read <laughs> stuff? Wow. And then people like David sit down and they're just like, hey, do you like art? <laughs> and then you flip over the table. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't need any man to ask me if I like art. I like art just fine by myself, man. God, that was so corny. Listener, that's almost a direct quote of Kachu. <laughs> that is why that was particularly funny. <laughs> David's so corny. I don't know what more thought that like people were going to like him because that was like his game. Like, I'm just like, well, bro, like, do you know how many times? How many times? Like, geez, geez. And then they try so hard to make it more interesting by like being like spy stuff, though. Like, he's like... Isn't he Darcy's brother? Little or brother, yeah. They're like yeah. he's like a sad little rich boy who's just like, oh, oh yeah, I'm just gonna stalk this girl because I picked up her used tampon. I gotta say that going from Darcy to David is like kind of a down downward trend. I definitely remember feeling disappointed that like they made him her little brother. I was like, whatever. Really? Darcy's way too cool. Like I feel like Darcy in real life would have just like got rid of him. Wait, After you, she you found mean out you that think in was... real life she would kill her brother? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Darcy's I mean, I like know. that bitch, though. Like, that's the okay. thing. It's like, Darcy, like, is a misandrist. Like, she just, like, does not like men. She's, like, this She's power. stamping her cigarette out, being like, I hate all the men. <laughs> mm-hmm. With, like, her stiletto heels. She has, like, oh a God. government conspiracy. Like, she has, like, Washington by the balls, literally. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I'm pretty sure she would not care if she got rid of her loser ass. Like, and so little brother. <laughs> anyway, my fanfic is coming out uh, <laughs> uh, in like two months. Uh, oh. I'll, I'll plug my archive of uh, our own page. A O three. A O three. Exactly. Exactly. In the dream. Uh huh. As far as I understand, there's like no trans representation, no Mm-mm. sort of like gender fluidity or, or uh, gender nonconforming. So, there are comics that are, you know, created by queer creators that are, we consider iconic parts of queer culture, you know, dykes to watch out for, Jane's World. Again, I'm going to add grease bats to that list. I'm missing so many. There are so many. So don't, don't, don't think I'm trying to be uh, wholly inclusive of all those items. But this doesn't, to me, ring out being true the same way, because again, it is very much about these two specific people. So you're not getting a lot of people in there orbit who are exploring or or different aspects of queerness that we might see in Dykes to Watch Out for, we might see in Jane's world. So, you know, I think it's doing a specific thing, and I think it sort of succeeds. <laughs> That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It succeeded all to hell for me whenever I was 14 years old and poor and hanging out at the Barnes and Nobles and had a terrible attitude just like Kachu does <laughs> and uh, wanted to date girls but just like wasn't totally there yet. 
That makes sense. I mean, I think it's, again, like like I was saying before, it's a product of its time. It's a very certain kind of work. I think, uh, Sarah, when you and I were texting, we both compared it to Chasing Amy in that it's like, <laughs> it's certainly doing something that I believe is an experience queer people have. Do I believe this? Yes, of course I believe this happens. Do I think it's most queer women? Uh, I'm going to go with no. I don't think it's most queer women going through these experiences, especially not at their age, maybe. But uh, yeah, it, it feels a little bit like it's a straight person's queer comic. I've never seen Chase and Amy, so I don't... You don't need to. Okay. There was just a lot of narratives like that around that time mm-hmm. in the 90s, right? Where it was like, women are just experimenting. Like, it's cool. Uh, Chasing oh, Jessica man. Stein. It reminds me of that a little bit, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. What, what the a- fuck was that movie? <laughs> Kissing Jessica Stein. They're sorry. totally like 90s jokes. And then the whole thing is just like her not wanting to have sex with this other woman who is a complete babe. And it's just like, why? Why is this a movie? <laughs> like, yeah. This chasing- is just a series of bad dates. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kissing Jessica Stein for sure. That's a weird, weird movie. I remember watching it and be like, this is great. And I think this speaks to your point, Sarah, because I thought that with Chasing Amy as well. And it took it until I had a big group of queer friends around me who said literally the words, Chasing Amy is a straight person's queer film. And I have never forgotten that phrase because it was like, oh my God, that's so helpful. Where, you know, they're exploring an aspect of, you know, sexuality and queerness. And, you know, like, okay, yeah, like... At the time, I hadn't seen queer movies. I hadn't seen Imagine Me and You. It wasn't out at the time. Uh, you know, I hadn't seen so many different films that we have now. Ammonite. Are, <laughs> Ammonite. I was thinking of um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. After I saw Ammonite, I don't, I like look back at this and I'm just like, what? <laughs> like the bar was so low. The bar was so low. They don't even, oh. they barely like make eye contact in this comic. And then an Ammonite, guess what? But there's fucking but I, right like that's that's such a great great way of putting it sarah because it's about what we have available right like so when you haven't seen queer people in comics something like strangers in paradise like wow it's just letting people have these messy queer dynamics mm-hmm. i do think there's a dynamic where sometimes you know and you see people tweet about this like there's this pressure for queer characters to be so good right because there's been so much negative representation And something like Strangers in Paradise lets them be really messy. So I think that's actually a vote in favor. (laughs) We're not voting. (laughs) I'm voting here alone in my studio about what we're doing with this. I vote in favor of it. What? Why? Why would I vote? Oh, God. But I I will say I think there's there's something special about letting letting characters be messy and, and letting them make big mistakes or not be sure who they are, not be sure what they're doing. And I think... Like I was saying, there is something about the time in which you get to consume these things. I'm never going to see Strangers in Paradise through the lens you two have because my first comic was Love and Rockets. (laughs) I have seen this executed in ways where I think it's truly spectacular. And I came to comics later than both of you. So for me, you know, like I have a very different way of looking at these things just because I'm so... Uh, I think, Sarah, you said you're awfully spoiled in your queer rap and comments. And I was like, yeah. that's a great point. I'm really grateful for that. So I think, you know, I just try to contextualize my reaction because it's not perfect. We don't have enough queer representation still. I read an article and, and this is like, this is more literal representation, but we still need to elect 25,000 LGBTQ representatives to any level of government to have actual representation in our government, which is just like, Oh my God. And we have about uh, 900 right now, I think, almost a thousand maybe. We are making headway. We are changing things. And we have better representation now. We can look to other comics that are perhaps more true to our own experiences. I'm going to come back one more time to Grease Bats, Archie Bon Giovanni's Grease Bats, because that's what I read in Grease Bats, is it feels like it has taken this lineage of queer comics and really just been like, okay, next step. This is slice of life. Again, it's strip-based versus uh, Strangers in Paradise was issue-based. But it, it really is trying to get to those complexities of just like slice of life of queer people. And so I, I actually, you know, I'm going to vote that Strangers in Paradise is okay. <laughs> like, I'm okay with it. That's my vote, right? Because we're voting. <laughs> Why are we voting? We're not voting. <laughs> I'm just voting. I'm going to vote C+. Uh, also, though, it does get 
a little bit more fleshed out and the character beats are a lot better going forward. That first one, I don't think was the first one that I read. I'm pretty sure that I like picked up the ongoing series with maybe issue nine or something like that. Mm. That was a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. Tracks. Monica, do you think that Strangers in Paradise is something you will return to and read in the future? I mean, I'm actually kind of interested to read the more recent one so I control it. Because uh, <laughs> I'm just I like, you made it this hard. in 2018. Like, so many things have happened. We could we could do something with that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. because, I mean, considering the lack of queer shit that I was able to get into when I was a kid, I feel like there's so much more and there's so many like resources that creatives can like tap into, even if they've been doing a project for like a decade, you know, grow with the times, if you will. Cause I think that's the wonderful thing about creation and like having your own characters is that they are also able to grow just as you should be able to grow. So I don't know y'all. I think I'm a big girl now, so I'll probably check out the latest issue that came out, but I think I'm just going to move forward and find something gayer and uh, more lesbian mafia stuff. Wait, are there any more lesbian mafia? (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. Right? I Yeah, I'm just really into that. I don't know why. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's just something special about... I can guess why. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? Oh, my gosh. I think I'm gay, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you might just like lesbians, my friend. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Um, That's so, yeah, but like if we did, I'm going to follow Sarah with like the grading and I would probably give it like a C plus too. But then again, right. like I also like want to be gentle with myself. Like when yeah. I read that, like I had just like recently come out of the closet Mm-hmm. And I was like in a, a dash grab for like anything gay that I could possibly get my hands on. So we had to make do with what we had. So it was like this and lesbian vampires, right? Like mm-hmm. on movies at like two o'clock in the morning on TCM or something. Mm-hmm. So. Or the L word, unfortunately. Oh, the L word. For me, revisiting. The Haunting. I revisited The Haunting remake, and I remember loving it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Sarah, don't you love it? And she was like, "Mm, talk to me after you rewatch it. And then I was like, yeah, it is so much gayer, but I had never seen a bi character on TV. Right. I had never seen a bi character on TV who was that attractive and made me go, what's happening to me? What, mm-hmm. what am I? Who am I? What does this mean? And and so, like, I definitely get that. I, and I think that there is a proliferation of representation because I think there's just so many ways to come to finding out who you are. It's something I remember Anthony Oliveira saying in our interview from Pride 2020, where he was like, you know, I actually kind of like Iceman's coming out story because I was like, I hate it. And he was like, I like it because there are coming out stories where you're outed. There are so many different kinds of coming outs. And if we say that the ones where you're outed are bad and the ones where you're not outed are good, we're saying that people who get outed don't get to have a story that they feel good about or that they can live with or that, you know, whatever the variations of of good there are. It, it just seems to me that there's real value in, in revisiting what helps us when we're young and having higher standards but also, like you said, Monica, not being, you know, mad at our past selves for liking those things, you know? Like, it makes sense that Strangers in Paradise struck a chord with you. When I think about, like, you in, in undergrad getting introduced to it and and seeing so many of your own representations on the page, it makes me like it so much more, too. Like, I could just feel that with you. So, no, I think you're right. I think it's a balance of of knowing what the representation is giving us and and having the audacity to ask for better, audacity in scare quotes, and also not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? Like the important experience <laughs> is still there. I'm sorry. I just had a vision of somebody throwing a baby out of a <laughs> little tub. Um, so- <laughs> that's just what, that's what we do around these parts. We just throw babies and bathwater. But my yeah. neighbors are like, where are you getting all these babies? And I'm like, I don't know. They just keep being in my bathwater. Walmart. Um, <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> that was a... <laughs> i'm so glad i don't believe in hell just um that's all i'm gonna say um so 
Yeah, I just like legitimately can't trust people that don't own like the things that inspired them or helped them grow as people when they were younger, like who just come about as being purer than now or like came out of the womb listening to DB or something. I'm just like, no, that did not happen. Like there were things in your life that may be cringy now, but that is the whole process of evolving and growing as a person. And while those components may not resonate with you now, like it helped you get to this point. So it's just good to evaluate those things, kind of like a roadmap for your life, if you think about it. And we couldn't have bitten a tragedy without a little bit of the strangers in paradise. I like how introspective you are. It's, it's something I enjoy. And I think that it's really cool to think about how understanding yourself makes it where you can understand your art differently. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think it was Toni Morrison that mentioned something about like, I think she said, or I could be misquoting, but I did read something, maybe her name was Spied or whatever, but the whole process of writing is just like you jot it down and then like the beautiful part about writing is discovering that like the message behind what you actually wrote. And I feel like that's like a success story for any creative is like you just like feel the emotion, you feel the thing, you put it out there and then you revisit it and then you're just like, oh, this is what I was trying to get across. Like, it's like a formula, you know what I mean? And I kind of like to think of life as that, in that way. Yeah. You are singing my song. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to get writers to think more about the themes they're playing with. <laughs> like, your theme is women should shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know what else it is. If every time a woman speaks, she gets cut off. It kind of seems like it to me. <laughs> Re- a direct reference to National Treasure, which we're reviewing on Patreon. <laughs> oh, it is an exact reference to playing National Treasure. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that sounds like somebody's therapy session. Like, what? <laughs> Were they actually saying, <laughs> do I really think that women should shut up? Oh, no. <laughs> if you find your themes of your stories are women should shut up, call a therapist. <laughs> the then therapist is a woman. <laughs> they cut off the therapist. <laughs> well, I actually think, but wait a second. <laughs> it's an endless karmic loop, people. I wish you luck trying to cut off my therapist. (laughs) She's like, excuse me. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. I'm so sorry. What happened? (laughs) I'm exaggerating. She's perfect. She's never mean. She's so nice to me. (laughs) I was telling her I always tell people about her the other day. And she was like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, you're on my podcast. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This one's for Megan. (laughs) Yeah, what if she listens and like brings up things (laughs) like during your session? I would love that. What if she's proud of you <laughs> she's so proud of me she makes me cry uh, all the time she's like uh, you're doing such a good job and i'm like <laughs> am i <laughs> i don't feel like i am <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to this session of therapy <laughs> hey, oh my y'all. god we've lost our minds hey okay. y'all without uh, love we're nothing but strangers in paradise <laughs> i love that is that That's our closing it. thought that is Monica, thank you so much for joining us today. It is always a pleasure to talk to you. I hope we'll keep having you on the pod pretty frequently because, you know, you're real smart and you got real brain thoughts I like. So, yeah, listeners, thanks for joining us. We love you. Sarah, I love you. I love you. I love both of you. Oh, I love you, Monica. We are a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So (laughs) we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. 
still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H Y P E R T H E T I C A L.